What a passage. It's a powerful, powerful passage. But I want to start by encouraging you that when you hear something from the front, when you hear a passage from the front, go home and read it for yourself as well. Emdy, who's preaching from the front has only got a quarter of an hour, 20 minutes to bring something out of that passage. But his word is intensely personal for each and every one of us, as well as being corporate, it's intensely personal. Ask the question as you're reading it, Lord, what do you want me to see here? What do you want me to discover? Because his word is always about bringing us back to the Father, the Father, Jesus, and the Spirit. It's always about pointing the way back to him. But for each and every one of us, that is different, the journeys we've got to take. So go home and read that passage again. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Let it illuminate the way that you are going because that's how you find your identity. That's how you find where you're going. So two weeks ago, Steph spoke on Nehemiah 9 and she was preaching a new way of life and I had a massive revelation from that that I hadn't expected to need. In 2003, I was pregnant. I got to the stage where I could feel the little one move and then I had a miscarriage. And what I received at that moment was twofold. One, don't talk about it, therefore don't grieve. And the second one, which was probably the most fundamental thing that shifted my whole way of thinking was that I could conceive dreams, but never birth them. No, I didn't even know that I thought that way. I never, if MD would have asked me, it'd be like, no, why would I think like that? Because it doesn't make sense in your head. That is actually what I picked up from that. And I have numerous things that actually show me this is the way that I thought. But Steph, through preaching the word, brought breakthrough to me. I had to let go of that moment. I had to acknowledge that that's how I thought and then let go of it. When James came last week, he brought further healing to me. And he spoke the word redemption over me and Jem. And I felt restored. I felt complete. But what do you do in that moment? It's like, okay, something has radically shifted in me. I am changed. But what do I do with that? Because for 18 years, I've lived with that thought deeply implanted in me. On Monday, I was phoned up and invited to a meeting and given five minutes notice. <sighs> and because I'm in a month of saying yes to anything that I'm asked to do, 
God does that to me every now and again. I straight away said yes and thought, you know what? God will sort everything out. I came off the phone and realized that actually I got an online delivery coming and it's like, oh, right, okay, ring them up and say to them, I've got a meeting to go to, I've got this coming, what can I do? Because you can't change it at that short notice, it was coming in an hour's time. The woman on the end of the phone said to me, this is about your future and your destiny. Everything is sorted here. Go, go, everything is sorted. This is not what you expect when you ring up. And I'm like, no, 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 I I really don't know. I don't want to cause you trouble, but what do I do? Do I leave a note on the door? And she went, Mrs. Sheen, this is about your future and your destiny. Go, everything is sorted. I'm listening, Lord, because it's been repeated to me. And sometimes we need to hear it again, don't we? Because these words to us that come, come from unexpected places. And I knew this was the continuation of the journey I'd started two weeks ago. And I feel like I've got to repeat it to you guys as well. This is about your future and your destiny. Where you are walking at the moment is about your future and your destiny. Stop worrying because everything is sorted. Go where he tells you to go. Everything is sorted. Yes, it's sorted. And everything in me is like, come on guys, rise up. If I can get it from a lady on the end of the phone because I'm not listening properly to what God is saying to me, don't wait until that moment, even though I love those unexpected moments. And it's like, have they replaced the people in Asda with angels? Yes, for that moment, yes. And why not? So we come to the passage today. relevant we're talking about the book of Zechariah today and he was a prophet and a priest around 520 BC shortly after Haggai had begun his prophetic work as well and he's one of the minor prophets and I thought that was a bit harsh minor prophet but actually it's only because it's a shorter book It doesn't mean that what he says is any less relevant than any of the other prophets. And he is an amazing, amazing guy. And we know bits from his book without realizing it's from his book. So the background. Nearly 20 years after returning from the Babylonian exile in the time of Cyrus, God's people were discouraged. The foundation of the temple had been laid. But powerful opposition had prevented it getting any further. There was also little evidence of the kind of spiritual renewal that the earlier prophets had anticipated. (gasps) 
All these words are gone before and the people are still waiting. Their desire is renewal. Their desire is, please God, appear in our time. But because they'd seen nothing, they decided that it wasn't worth it. Jerusalem was only partly rebuilt. And at this point, of absolutely no significance. Telford is only partly rebuilt, but it's becoming significant. And under the circumstances, the people concluded theirs was a day of small things, 410, in which God was absent from his people. Many viewed faithful obedience as useless. It seemed that it made more sense to just live a good life and forget God. Does that sound like now? Does that sound like the people that we encounter? Because they're not seeing God present. They're not seeing that supernatural God that we know exists, that heals us, that raises us from the dead. They're not seeing that God, the God that we believe in. They're not seeing the signs and wonders in front of them. So for them, it makes more sense rather than to pursue something that to them, even we're not shouting about, it makes more sense to just forget it. But God is on the move and he's changing our hearts and the way we speak out about him. I love Zechariah. So the people have decided this. Then you get Zechariah. We know this one, Zechariah 4. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We know that. That's Zechariah saying, it's not about you guys. It's not about what you want. It's about my spirit. It's about me at work in my people. Oh, and again, he says it to us. It's not about you guys. It's not about how good you think you are or how useless you think you are because it's about his spirit in us at work. That's where the true transformation takes place. That's where we see signs and wonders. That's where we see Telford, which will become a city turned round. Absolutely. And I get so excited about that. And I want to jump up and down because I absolutely believe that we are called for such a time as this to see his kingdom come now to see heaven touch earth now, to see atmospheres change around us because we are walking just into a shop, just into a school, just into somebody's house who doesn't yet know him. Because we believe, because we've been changed inside, because we understand it's not about us and how good we are. It's about the God that we believe in. Yes and amen to all his promises. Chapter nine, rejoice greatly, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Zechariah is calling his people to be visible. He's telling them they have a voice now in the middle of battles around the opposition. Now, shout out now, be loud. 
It's not about whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. It's not about whether you think you're educated, not educated, what? Every single one of us has a voice because God has placed that within us. Every single one, from the youngest right the way through, all age groups together will see his kingdom come because they speak out. This is what Zachariah is telling us. And he's reminding them that not only does their God reside in the now, but also in the future. And he's saying that because he's reminding them not to worry about the future because he's already there. He's already in it. His prophets are saying, this is what's gonna happen. But he's saying, shout out now because you're around now. Your voice has to be heard now. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, even on a donkey's colt. We know this scripture so well because we see it in Matthew 21, 1 to 11, where Jesus rides into Jerusalem to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah. What's Zechariah doing? He's linking himself to Jesus. This isn't a story that isn't woven throughout history. We're part of something incredible. And every time we speak out, we are linked into Jesus when we speak out in his name. We're not isolated. Just as Zachariah wasn't isolated. 530 years before Jesus came, and yet still he is linked into Jesus. He is prophesying into something that will come and saying, shout out now. And Jesus is saying to us now, shout out now and speak into the future. Listen to what the prophets are saying. Listen to what God's saying to you in your hearts and believe all things are possible in his name. Oh, I love it. Because this is about hope. This is about hope. And in Zechariah, he talks about the prisoners of hope, doesn't he? Which seems really weird, doesn't it? Prisoner of hope. And that's because they stopped believing. That's because they settled for second best and settled down. No, we are a people of hope that actually kicks, that fights, that is not passive. Zechariah reminds them who the God Yahweh is. He's a sovereign. He's a peacemaker. He's the one who has made a covenant promise with them. And covenant is one of those words that we need to go away and really explore and really look into. Covenant is deep. When God makes a covenant promise, it's about our very DNA being tied in with him everything and it's about something that cannot be broken it cannot be broken and we are part of that covenant promise we are his people 
And he reminds them in verse 13, for you, my people, will be my weapons. We're the ones who he's asked to fight. We're the ones who he's asked to stand up. We are his hands on this earth now, fighting for something that is incredible, for a kingdom. There is a difference between kingdom and church. The kingdom is God. It's where he reigns. The church is where he chooses to manifest through, where he gathers his communities. We fight for a kingdom. And when we get it wrong, we get frustrated. We're called to serve in churches because that's where he asks us. But we fight for a kingdom that is greater than anything. Verse 15, he shields them. He shields them. They're safe. They may be weapons, they may be fighting, but he's shielding them. He is protecting them. And that is a promise in black and white so we can see it. The same goes for us today. He's calling us to rise up. And Steph prayed that before as well. Rise up, church, rise up. Waken up. There's two parts to waking up, isn't there? You wake up, but then you've also got to get out of bed. He's saying, waken up and get out of bed now. Rise up because there's work to be done. There's a whole world that just needs us to put our hands out and reach. I once heard it described as a mountain that we're all climbing together as part of God's creation. And that we're on a path because Jesus has shown us where the path is. But on this mountain, there's loads of crevices and our task is to reach into those crevices and pull people up, to touch them, to hug them, to love them. Are you prepared to do that? Are you prepared to do that, to rise up? God has positioned us to go forward. You are positioned to go forward now. Now. I love Micah 4.13 from the message. On your feet, daughter of Zion, be threshed of chaff, be refined of dross. I'm remaking you into a people invincible, into God's juggernaut. Oh, I love that. I love it. I am part of God's juggernaut. You are part of God's juggernaut and you can't stop a juggernaut. You can't stop it. I love it. We are an invincible people. And that doesn't mean we won't hit chaos. That doesn't mean we won't hit heartache. That doesn't mean we won't feel pain. 
that's not what that's saying. But what it's saying is, I will be with you as you walk through it. Every single step of the way. I will be with you because you are invincible. Walk with me, walk with me, walk with me, walk with me. On your feet, daughter of Zion, on your feet. Rising up requires acceptance of change and transition. And that really spoke to me. Change being the external something that comes and knocks us. Can be outside circumstance, unforeseen conditions. Transition is the internal process. It's the psychological process. The thing that we go through internally. And true transformation, rising up, happens when we endure the process of transformation, of transition. I'll say that one again. True transformation, rising up, happens when we endure the process of transition. I don't know about you, but I have spent the last 18 months being the most uncomfortable I have ever been in all my 56 years. Where I'm looking for where I fit in, where I don't quite know who I am, where I'm thinking, oh, what do I say that doesn't make me look stupid? Am I the only one here that's endured that process over the last few months? where everything in me is so uncomfortable, yet I cannot help but bring myself into the presence of those that are also in that place that make it rise up in me. I cannot not come into you guys' presence, even though in the middle of it, I'm thinking, I'm gonna say something stupid, I'm gonna look stupid, I'm not good enough. Every single button in me gets pressed but I am desperate to be in your presence because I know that God is on the move amongst us. I know that revival is hitting us, that spirit again and again and again. And I am desperate for that. I am more desperate for that than I am to be comfortable. That's what I want to see. And I see it amongst each and every one of us when we're together. I see it. And I get so excited and so, Lord, please don't let me say anything stupid. But at the same time, bring me into their company more and more and more. So change for me was Steph's word. That was the external. The transition was walking through grief. Repentance for having lived a lie. Acceptance that now... Not only can I conceive dreams, but I can birth them too. What about you guys? What lies have you lived in your life, ungodly beliefs in your life that have stopped you rising up to the fullness of who you are? Because we carry them and we don't even know we carry them. I didn't know I'd carried that for 18 years. 
David's prayer and my prayer has been, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Because I know that if I just have the revelation that changes me and don't endure the process, the transition, I will implode. I will let go of things. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. I want to end with two things. We cannot stay silent any longer to make others comfortable. We can't do it. We cannot do it. We are not meant to be a people who make others comfortable. We are meant to be a people who see others set free and rising up in the name of Jesus to be the people that they are called to be. That's who we're meant to be. Not a people who go there, there, it's okay. When it clearly isn't. For me, I absolutely believe that without Jesus, there is no life. No life at all. Only death. And if I truly believe that, why do I not want to shout out the name Jesus and see others knowing that Jesus too? I am not built to make others comfortable. I am built to see others set free. You are not built to make others comfortable. You are built to see people set free and walking tall. Walking in the freedom that they were created to have. The second thing. Garden of Gethsemane. We learn a valuable, a valuable thing there. Not my will, but yours. Jesus showed us that even in the midst of deep anguish, deep pain, where he knew what he was walking to, he knew what he had to endure. He knew what he had to go through. He knew that, yes, he would rise again. But first he had to go through something that was... <sighs> but he said, not my will, but yours be done. And that's the call to us as well. He takes each of us into that place, into that garden of Gethsemane and says, what are you going to say? What are you going to say now, guys? What are you going to pray out loud? And he spoke it out so that we would know how he was feeling. He spoke it out and it is written so that we would know about it because it's important. He's positioned us to go forward. 
but not my will, but yours be done. He's growing us up. This is what this is all about. He's growing us up. And he says, rise up, church. Rise up, my people. And see my kingdom come. See heaven touch earth and know what it is to be lovers of Jesus, to be passionate about something. Rise up, church. Rise up. Rise up. Would it be okay if I prayed for everyone? Lord, I just ask that you would just put a fire into each and every person here today, that they would feel so on fire for you that they cannot but rise up and proclaim the name Jesus, that they would see where you want them to be, that they would know with an intimacy that everything is okay because you're not only here now, you're at every single stage that they have to go through. Lord, I pray you would teach them that they each have a voice and that all the tones together produce such a beautiful harmony produce a resonant frequency that breaks through boundaries and barriers and walls that have been long held on this land, that they are here for such a time as this. Lord, show them, show them. Let them have dreams and visions of things that are to come. But fill them afresh. Every single time, fill them afresh. Every single time, give them good relationships with people around them. Give them deep friendships. But restore the broken parts, Lord. Show them the things that they have lived under that they do not need to live under. Because as Zachariah said, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord.